honestly, okay, this discussion is a hundred times more important than whether we should have red flag laws and ban assault rifles. Can I, can I just say, I think the fact that we're empowering people with the right to start a civil war if they don't agree with things is kind of scary. That's honestly. what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just saying That's like the, the legally opposite of scary. I think it's scary that people have no ability to defend themselves against a power that is subjugating them. The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. Confirmation bias tells us that we're going to go out and we're going to try and find information that's consistent with our own views of the world. Will you Who shut up, man? Listen? In spite of the difficulties ahead, I still have faith in the future. Surround ourselves with people that have perspectives that are different from ours. Even as we speak, there are those who are preparing to divide us. We all the same human being. You're going to look at me and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong? Welcome to the flip side. This is Free Socrates. Carson. And Hussein. And Julian. In this episode, we'll be engaging the discussion of gun control and Second Amendment rights in America. We want to acknowledge the mass shooting that happened in Maine on October 25th, especially with everything going on. We thought it was a really relevant conversation and we wanted to tackle it as our first episode. Okay. And as we've uh, seen, everyone's very familiar by now with the arguments that are immediately launched. And I'm sure everyone's very frustrated because it seems like this happens every couple of months in America. There's 393 million privately owned firearms in the United States. That's more guns than people. And in 2021, almost 21,000 people died from gun-related injuries. So it's obviously always a very relevant topic, especially in the United States. And in the wake of this mass shooting, we want to kind of make a genuine effort to explore all sides of this issue. Um, and also one further disclaimer before we get into it, we one of our goals of this podcast is to be casual and have a lighthearted tone with it. But obviously that gets a little difficult when talking about such serious topics as these. So we just want to go ahead and acknowledge um, that we're not trying to make light of any of the tragedies and we know many people have been affected or know people that have been affected by gun violence so we definitely want to be respectful of that yeah but still have a good time debating and hashing out these issues and having a quality conversation sources and further reading will be listed in the description of our youtube video so one of the main things uh, with gun control is the Second Amendment and the debates around the interpretations of what the Second Amendment actually means and the um, importance of it through time. So we're going to be going around and talking about the interpretations of the Second Amendment and how we interpret it. Um, so anybody want to give the definition of the Second Amendment? Or like <laughs> Wait, the we should specific... read it out first. We should read it out. Yeah. Are you reading it out? You don't have it memorized? So. Uh, how about this? A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security mm. of a free state, the right of the people to uh, keep and bear arms should not be infringed. Okay. So it pretty much gives people the right to bear arms, to group and attack the government. Well, no, I, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, but it's it, it's saying a well-regulated militia, militia being necessary to the security of a free state. This is written during um, a time period where there was... Okay. Not a strong central government power. I mean, we won our independence through the usage of militias and 
um, mercenary armies from Europe. So it wasn't like we had a standardized federal army. I mean, in my opinion, the first thing I read this when I when I see it, it's just very outdated. I mean, this was written like what over two hundred years ago, completely yeah. different time period. Just uh, a little inapplicable, in my opinion, to, to today. today. The way we kind of we kind of group our voices, or to I guess group together is through voices rather than use like you know militia, militia guns, or yeah. guns like that. So I feel like that part of it's kind of outdated. Well, we also have a professional army nowadays as well. Yeah, so. and guns compared to whatever the U.S. Army has is probably like Way very different. little. Well, I think it's important to say that the army isn't allowed to carry their guns in public. I mean, that just goes to show really. That. I, I mean, it's that. like they're assault rifles. It's like... <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be pretty scary. Yeah. That would be kind of scary. Okay, let's so. not get off too far into the weeds here. Um, I don't think How about... All right, let's do another reading of this. A well-regulated militia, comma, be necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. So... The debate here, I mean, this is semantics and we'll probably, we can spend some time arguing about whether it matters at all what this old document says, but if we are holding that, assuming that this has value and we want to try to uphold what is written here in the second amendment, we, there's a definitely a big debate about the clause there, a well-regulated militia. So that's very interesting that they mm. put that in there. It seems like they are kind of specifically mentioning that, but also there's the argument that the first clause is just a prefatory clause, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, and then comma, the right to of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So it seems like the first clause is just clarifying the reason why it's necessary to the security of a free state. And then there's an operative clause right after saying the right of the people to keep their arms shall not be infringed. So it's not necessarily saying because um, in order to keep a well-regulated militia, people need to have, it's just one of the reasons why. So, okay, so now we have that. What does that mean then? <clears throat> well, I, I still think it, no, it definitely still means that the militia needs to keep arms in order to secure the safety of the state, right? Is what you're saying? Are you arguing that the the placement of those commas <laughs> kind of detaches guns from the militia? Yeah, it detaches the main part of the clause, the main part of the statement, which is that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's the main cause. And then the first part there is saying one of the reasons why is because a well-regulated militia is important for the security of a free state. Um, so yeah, we can talk a little bit about militias. So they're in contrast to like a, a professional army, it's an army made up of the civilians. So one of the reasons why we might want a well-regulated militia, which is made up of not professional soldiers, but civilians is to fight back against a tyrannical government. And we know that in uh, the founding of the United States history, that's how we um, defended ourselves against tyranny or had our own insurrection against tyranny. So it makes sense that the founding fathers would want to make sure that future um, generations were able to do that as well. And then there's also 
But do you think that we still have the opportunity to do that? Like, do well, we need to do that? I think well? the closest thing that we can kind of see, like in terms of a armed insurrection against the government, January 20th is probably the closest thing we're going to get yeah. to that in yeah. modern history. And it wasn't, um, people weren't necessarily shooting at the law enforcement officers, but it doesn't change the fact that a lot of the people there brought guns and that was viewed pretty negatively. So I think it really depends on who has the right to insurrect against the government. I think it's also to, um, important to clarify that after this document was written, a lot of the founding fathers actually changed their um, perception of rebellions. They mm. were very critical about it. Well, some of them were very critical about it after the constitution was written. Right. So I don't think that, um, uh, given that this was written at a time where they were still trying to fight for their independence, a lot of these ideas don't hold to the um, don't hold to the functioning of the modern modern state. Yeah, I guess that's what a lot of people these days are saying. Like, do we need to change it up? Is it too old? Does it still hold up right now? Yeah, and that just goes beyond the Second Amendment to the Constitution in just general. In general. If there is a lot of it that... Well, I think that's getting into another... It is, yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, like, this is grounded in a larger issue, is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, that kind of goes into if we need to change the entire constitution, which we're kind of not talking about. But I think think there's also some value in how we interpret it in today's day, and we've adapted, I feel, to it well, in that we're not using it to go against a tyrannical government because we haven't been really faced with that on a certain extent, but we're using it to... Now it's it's a it's a tool to kind of protect ourselves, um, and I guess that's kind of really the only way you can use a gun is to protect yourself, and that's the only way I believe you should use a gun right. or use any sort of weapon like that is to protect yourself and not attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how kind of I feel like at least so I, self-defense. I feel like general yeah self defense. Right. I feel like general society views it as that, but obviously you know whenever you give a, a person that much power with in his hand and um if it's not like you know as the constitution says regulated militia mm-hmm. i feel like is the most important part of that um sentence if it's not regulated then you can have a lot of incidents like the main shooting the um there's a lot i have a lot on my on my list here yeah we can go through later but um it, it, it's basically for me uh there needs to be way more regulations on it because it's such a powerful tool that can that can cause so much damage and to give it to ordinary citizens because let's be real mm-hmm. ordinary citizens in america we have 300 million people not everyone is mentally healthy not everyone has the right attitude towards uh, how they treat other people and um that has to all be taken into consideration to to regulate guns and regulate these incidents that are going to happen mm-hmm. these innocent incidents will happen as long as there's guns in america right um but it's just a way of preventing more preventing it yeah. there's certain okay, countries so- yeah, we're going into a lot of different directions here um, to kind of wrap up the Second Amendment interpretations. Uh, and we can we should also talk about, uh, y'all mentioned that it seems very outdated. Mm. Why do we care at all about this document is something that's important to talk about. Um, it seems, especially to people that don't live in America, Americans and especially right-wingers seem to have this kind of like fetish for the Constitution <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. talk about why that is um and then as far as the militia stuff um that can just be like the most important reason that the founding fathers thought we should 
have the right to bear arms um but it can also it doesn't have to be the only reason like i'm sure they were also thinking about self-defense in there even though it's not explicitly mentioned also the militia doesn't necessarily have to be confined to people serving in the military um it could just be any able-bodied men who are capable of holding a gun could be considered part of the militia. Well, that's what a militia is. Yeah, we were distinguishing it from the military, though, which is a professional army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's um, the thing, though. Should it be? Well, okay, so yeah. let's talk about um, the Constitution's importance. What do y'all think? Should we care what it says? Probably, but... Because <laughs> for a lot of the other issues, it's pretty decent. Obviously, we have to have some sort of reference to have a structure on what our government is kind of wanting to be like, but we also have to adapt to... Times are very much different now yeah. with, with the technologies that we have. So it's important to not really look at the Constitution too literally. Yeah. Because I feel like oh, I feel like we do that too much. Um, and it's just we just got to adapt to it. I don't know how we're going to do that because the best way people want to adapt to things is have it written down. So yeah. I don't think there's a way we could change the entire Constitution. Well, yeah. there's not. I mean, most of the powers of our government comes from the... Uh, implicit not explicit things in our constitution if you look at i mean i think it was uh one of the i think it was the judiciary branch i, I can't remember off the top of my head but one of the branches of the government literally has like just a tiny little section about how it functions and then we mm. kind of just figured it out from there mm. so just the fact that it's not written it kind of goes with what you were saying it doesn't have to be the only reason it's an implied powers is a very big part of the american constitution which doesn't necessarily mean that we have to write everything down it's mostly the interpretation is based on the age and the people mm, right. which is why we've literally survived with the constitution for this long that's why it's mm. still a document so i think um the, the question that i want to post to you guys is do you think that um the time that we are living in now uh does that the interpretations that we have of the constitution at the present moment not work for the general situation in america i think the biggest difference is the type of weapons i think that's why a lot of people have issues with it because it was even worse than like a bullet handgun right you know it was very uh you had to do everything it was very manual and all that stuff now it's like semi-automatic a lot of different i think that's the biggest difference which is why there's a lot of questions on it i think it would be uh mm not giving the founding fathers enough credit to assume that they didn't think that that technology would advance in the next what however many generations of america's existence and i think while the constitution is always open for interpretation and we've obviously amended it many many times so it's not can't be perfect um but the bill of rights is meant to be a timeless set of rights that were are given to us by god and are unalienable so it's kind of a big deal when you take one of them and you declare it obsolete now you can say that one of the founding fathers people who wrote these amendments and the bill of rights made a human mistake there but the idea is that they were encapsulating ideas that were timeless by nature but you could argue that um with the that whole thing does that give you the right to kill people is that something that should be enshrined in something like the bill of rights well it isn't enshrined in the bill of rights I know, so. i'm just saying like it, if, hypothetically well, if that was Carson, like what you said with about it being like you know um human rights or unable rights 
now that I'm thinking about it, in the second amendment, it doesn't talk about it doesn't talk about specifically guns. It talks about bare arms as in the the people have the right to use some sort of force against mm. the tyrannical government. So it doesn't necessarily I don't think it necessarily means guns in which we're focusing on. Yeah, I think it's yeah. how it, it means, implicitly it's it means uh, interpreted. It, you're the people are not meant to be pretty much enslaved by the government. They can they can use out, yeah. force back. If you're under well, occupation, it certainly doesn't say they have the right to use assault rifles specifically. Your yeah, I know. Right yeah, to use yeah. tanks, but, but I feel like we naturally go to whenever it says bare arms and guns. Guns, yeah. But there's other ways we could defend ourselves or you know attack people. It might not be as effective, but <laughs> it's not like the 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 same the same way. But it, it makes sense for for us to choose guns as in, well. I mean, it's mostly it's the, the most what people point to whenever they're defending the right to bear guns. Yeah, it's. I mean, if, if you think about it, you have to have somewhere in the Constitution that uh, like it says that and if this is the only place that it says it of course everyone's going to look at that point as yeah, it's yeah. talking about guns. i guess from our interpretation we look at guns but if it was if we're looking at the constitution on it on it being timeless and like testing the timelessness of it we can't put guns into it because mm. guns 15 a thousand years ago weren't a thing or i think i don't know yeah it's just and generally in, in, in a thousand years they won't be a thing we'll have many weapons stuff. and then we'll yeah. have the same conversation is that does that fall under the constitution does that fall in, fall under the right to bear arms and that we're able to use it this technology against other people? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, especially when you had um, the the power in your hand, like you were saying earlier. I think it's it would be a good idea to talk about exactly what kind of guns that this has the right to defend yeah. and how much power we should give to individuals. So, I mean, do you have something else that you want to talk about next before we move on to that conversation? Um, I mean, just there's also the idea of whether the amendment is talking about um, collective rights, like the right of the states to organize their own militias or individual rights. Um, so there's also been a lot of uh, this whole issue with interpreting the Second Amendment has um, so much legal precedent on all sides. Uh, it's it's never just ending. been a yeah, yeah, never, never ending end. debate. Yeah. Um, so. So we can we can move on. I think into yeah. more about how we use guns to like what like self defense or individual. Let's start with the argument. Like this is what you guys started with, and in your interpretation of the amendment is that it was because of defense against a tyrannical government. So let's uh, and we started getting into a little bit that that isn't really um, a possibility now. So what do y'all think about that? I don't think that's like, very I think I this is, is going to be an issue, but this is the most important part. Is it? I yes. I would disagree, I disagree. a little bit. Well, I, think I don't think so. I mean, generally, we're I'm going to go against it. There, there's no tyrannical government yeah. to really go against. Almost okay. Well, this is. Uh, how about just give me that? a chance, and you can decide okay. if you yeah, want to. Yeah, that's fine. Respond. Yeah, you okay. can you can change your yeah. minds. Yeah, sure. Okay, that's your job. Okay, go. All right. So lots of people kind of immediately start laughing and immediately dismiss the idea that we need to defend ourselves against a tyrannical government. And that really just doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, America has only been around for some 250 years. Um, and there are many scenarios we've seen, I can go through them now, of how the government could become tyrannical. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, like, this is the most important responsibility that we have as americans is to preserve the freedoms that we have for future generations so, okay, sorry, so yeah i'll 
go into some examples. So Julian brought up right at the beginning the uh, January 6th riots at the Capitol. Um, so imagine a populist, we won't name names, takes control and undermines election integrity and gets, say, the support from military generals who, since he's the populist and so charismatic, all the military generals agree with him that there was election interference. He keeps going on about this election interference. The riot at the Capitol, the people are actually not hooligans wearing uh, buffalo costumes. (laughs) They are actually armed and they invade the Capitol. And in the military, the the majority, 60%, say, is on the side of this populist. And then he takes control of the government like that and slowly becomes a dictatorship. I think you just described a a coup, dude, like a civil war. Do you not think a coup is possible? I don't think it should be possible because... Because it, that means that we don't believe in the constitution and the structure of our government. And that's talking like well, the constitution just is like just a, a document. No, yeah, no, but then even the structure it. of our government, because yeah, because if we've made a country that's you know, you know, like all powerful or like the most like the most free country as we've seen it, um, and the most structured government, those coups are not meant to happen because the government's not going to let it happen because there's so many. There's Whoa. so many. There's so many things like a like a coup. Yes. It's it's not really. And not to mention, we have the system in place to ensure that it it, it isn't, you know, fraudulent. So well, you... this happens when leaders undermine their responsibilities to the government. I would actually agree with Carson here that, um, uh, given that the amount of things that have happened in the recent history, I think anything is possible, especially going forward. I think the question is though, where I'm a little, I disagree with you a little bit is how do you give rights like that to people? Like, how do you decide that people are able to, like, when, when are they justified to fight back against the government? Who can decide that the government is evil or tyrannical? I mean, it would just have to be the majority. The point is that they have the opportunity to do so if they feel like it. It's okay, up to so how would you decide. justify January uh, 6th then? Um, I mean, if they, if it actually was an armed coup, I mean, we don't have to get into personal opinions. I personally wouldn't support them, but everyone would have to make up the decisions for themselves. And if the majority of people end up supporting the coup, then that's how it would work out. But the point is that they should have, people should have the ability to rise up against the coup and they should also have the ability to be a part of the insurrection if they feel like their rights have been violated. And that's only one of my examples. We also have, there's plenty of historical examples. Nazi Germany, uh, for one, was a dictator or a democracy after World War One, and we all know how that happened. It turned into one of the worst dictatorships, and that was because of a largely populist ruler that took control, turned it into a fascist government that where people no longer had individual rights, and the consequences of that were people who weren't able to defend themselves were rounded up, <laughs> had their rights taken away in a flash, and sent into concentration camps. Okay. We also have Russia under the Soviet Union, Putin's used to be a democracy, Putin's turning it into a dictatorship. Also have Chile, Venezuela, Turkey, Zimbabwe, Iran, Afghanistan. These have all been democracies eventually. So do you think they were just all incompetent in setting up their democratic governments? Worse than us, yeah. I mean, I guess judging by the fact that they're no longer in existence. And in in general, you said that the majority would, would, you know, the popular thing would happen, right? If everybody has guns, then what do you think is going to happen? Well, yeah. It's still going to be the same also, thing. Also, I would argue um, Venezuela is, is, I guess, a different situation because that was the military taking control. But uh, 
especially with countries like Russia, Putin still has control of the majority of the population there. So it's not necessarily that, um, like you said, if it's populism, a lot of people support them and that's why they have power. No, no, I'm, I'm, what I'm so trying to say is it's that like the guns don't really make a if, difference. Well, there. yeah, I admit there hasn't been too many examples of the people rising up and overthrowing that dictatorship once it happened. I think that's largely because they don't have as many guns as we have in the United States. Um, wait, so I, but I, I don't also that. disagree. No, I mean, wait, like, wait, wait, the U.S. Wait, government wait, giving guns to some of these countries has caused more instability in the region, though. I don't feel like that's necessarily valid, valid argument. That's true. But no, what I'm trying to say is that you said that, okay, let's say everybody has the guns there, right? And doing the sixth thing, the people who are going in have guns and the people who are trying to defend have guns. How does it resolve the situation? Doesn't it make it worse? It's harder to control the people. It's, yeah, exactly. it's yeah. pretty much we're kind of getting into the debate on like what is the purpose of a gun meant to be? Because right. I feel like right. what Carson is trying to say is that people should have the right to have a gun because they should have the right to use it to attack the government or other people with. And then some other people uh, feel like someone should have a gun because they have the right to defend themselves from yeah. people who are unstable, who are trying to attack them. And then there's other people who think having no guns at all um, kind of diminishes the entire problem. If, so it's basically that kind of what like it the is core of it. The obligation of citizens in a democracy um, to uphold that and they have the right to overthrow their government if it becomes tyrannical. You and need- they need the ability to do that. If they don't have guns, then that allows a small minority to subjugate them because there's nothing you can do against mm. an armed force when you have no... So it's no... to kind of defend yourself from an armed force. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Against a tyrannical armed force. So, you so, need to... but, that also allows but the a minority about, the, the to about, control people. The thing about the genuine... The minority can't control other people when everyone has guns included. That well, yeah, is okay, impossible okay. now. But the thing about... What was it? January 6th, January 20th? Was it? I don't January know. 6th, 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 January 6th was people with guns who were who are going raiding the capital so they're they're almost using yeah, this, gonna say they're using this weapon to, to kind of use it as an attack force so it's not really they're not they're not using it and they have the sense. right to do that why should so they have the, the right it doesn't make sense the capital, then because though. you just said they're defending they're they're using guns to defend themselves from a tyrannical government that makes sense but then to I mean, have, okay, in their eyes they believed i mean this wasn't an armed coup nobody had had weapons at this uh yeah, it was just a silly people had guns at yeah, on I, site they just didn't use them yeah, yeah, yeah. sure I mean, but like a lot of people had very guns. very few amount of, I mean, maybe but it doesn't like matter it, one person one person has a gun that entire thing is a worldwide news thing yeah if one I mean, person has an a, yeah but it's not an armed coup they weren't like pre-planning well, but, to take over the government they were just like running into yeah offices but, but and like is, taking instagram still, pictures the reason so why people that whoa well, wait, hold on maybe we should do one at a time it's very it's different kind of from an armed coup what happened on january 6th yeah but we're talking about legally how do you defend that how do you just yeah if they did system? have the guns what are you gonna exactly. do exactly we were able to control that's, the that's right to have the guns, so no i'm saying Okay, yeah, sure, so, they have the rights. But yeah. let's say everybody had it. How are we going to control them? Exactly. We were able yeah. to control them. Because the majority, they, they don't have the support of the majority of the population. So we just send the military in and take care of them. Versus if it was half the country that had decided, yes, I actually believe that the government, the election interference happened. And they, through their um, unwavering support behind Trump, then we would be in a civil war. And in the minds of the people that 
attacked the Capitol, they really believed that there was election interference. And if they believe that, then, I mean, it is their responsibility to overthrow the government. Quick interjection here to save face. Let me clarify, a violent insurrection could only be justified and would only practically gain widespread support if all other non-violent options had been exhausted and if the grievances against the government were numerous and severe enough. The isolated and largely unsubstantiated instances of election interference in 2020 obviously did not fit this criteria. And in those cases, it is absolutely best to leave it to the legal system we have in place to scrutinize the evidence instead of resorting to violence. When I mention election interference in this hypothetical scenario, I am talking about corruption of the type that abolishes our democracy as a whole and cannot be addressed without the last resort of starting an all-out civil war. I just don't understand how just... guns help here. Well, how are you going to overthrow a government? Wait, actually, like, I don't understand the thing to say. Who's to say the only way you can overthrow a government yeah. is through guns. violence? I don't understand There's other that. ways because we have the rights. We have the constitutional rights to protest, to to vote. That's okay. that's the correct way to If there's overthrow half of America going to the government and trying to overthrow them, you don't need guns for that. So you think Jews uh, in Nazi Germany could have just protested in the streets. Well, yeah, but, for... but the thing is that they didn't have the United States of America to defend them or whatever. The, like, it's not the Germany's, Germany's, what Germany's what not United if States. If the United States becomes tyrannical, we who was going to defend us then? You can't rely on a foreign nation yeah, to come in the, and save you from your own government. The, the gun, but we use it to defend ourselves. Can, can, I, can I just say, I think the fact that we're empowering people with the right to start a civil war if they don't agree with things is kind of scary that's honestly. what i'm saying yeah i, I know i'm just saying like that's the, the legally scary i think it's scary that people have no ability to defend themselves against a power that starts to that is subjugating them yeah but when you legally justify it it allows a minority to use that power it's like when you said people have responsibility to like do violence if they don't agree with something i mean no one's ever going to agree on one thing you're always going to have that one minority that feels responsible or the responsibility to commit violence and we saw that happen on this instance i don't i'm not saying it's the only instance there's been a lot if you look at rioting i mean especially after like the george floyd murder and stuff like that there was um a lot of violence that occurred because people felt that rights were being violated and are, can you justify that kind of destruction of property that kind of violence do you oh, think that's a good point well, I'm okay, just saying so it's not even just no. The look, government it's will not always be perfect, and no, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying is well, what's um, the alternative? What are you saying? There's no, there's no solution here, really. Which is why I don't really understand why we're talking about this. Like, how are we going to get to a solution? That, if, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like a catch twenty two. We're, we're kind of using this to get to the core of like why we're using. Yeah, this and this is turning into the entire conversation. Right I feel arms. maybe we should move on. This is why I said <laughs> I mean, let's not do whole, it. It is the whole conversation. It's a, it's a good conversation to have. I don't think so. I think it's a separate conversation to have. I think it's related, but definitely not at the extent we've been having it. Like I felt like this is kind of it's a little long. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's no solution here. I think that's like... What are we trying to say here? <laughs> Honestly, okay, this discussion is 100 times more important than whether we should have red flag laws and ban assault rifles. So y'all are saying there's nothing we can do because you don't want citizens to be empowered to start a civil war. That's not empowering to. them. I think that's the well, wrong idea. The legal justification, honestly. it is empowering them to do so. Really, okay, no, there are two extremes here. Either everyone has a gun, and people can commit violence whenever they feel responsible because they feel like their rights are being violated, which is a very subjective thing. And legal justification with anything to do with violence has always had negative consequences. 
or you can have no guns and you can expect uh, foreign cooperation and you know peaceful resolution to work things out. But look at the UN and how dysfunctional it is. So that doesn't work either. So what are we left with? We're left with two really bad extremes, in my opinion. And there's not really necessarily a way you can compromise past the extent where, I mean, no one, not everyone has a gun in the United States, right? But people so have the ability think- to which um, is the middle ground here is people having guns in the US and that's allowed. In a lot of countries, people are still allowed to have guns, even if they don't have it like to the extent of the US. Yeah, but so do you think the United States, um, the colony back in those times had the right to right, start an insurrection against their uh, subjugating power, which was... But the thing is, they didn't have. That to, is a very they, different time period. That is another. Well, that's, that's a exact same. No, no, no. But the thing is, the thing is, there's a lot of layers to this because yeah. back then they didn't have trust in their central power. That Do we they, have trust in our central power? We now? should. We should. We should because we're a much era. mature country now that we have. We have regulations. We're more mature than the Empire of Great Britain. I would think so. Yeah. 250 years we're more mature right now i'd hope so yeah i think you think we're uh i mean great britain probably did way more things than we did do you mature mean mature by mature as in we're we're uh, more organized we do things like we don't do things like on a we're also not an imperialist power or whatever great Great britain you they they this is another conversation but great britain used violence pretty much to take over the entire world like they didn't care about other people's rights or anything. Human rights were not a thing back then. Do those people have the right to defend themselves against the invading power that's coming? We have the United States government to, to I guess defend us. You're saying it's their government's response. The government, their government's response. It's another. It's it, we're getting. We're, it's we're pretty much going to get into another conversation of now. It's whether we trust our government to, to protect us from other people, and we trust the government to not go against us. Because if we if we're using if we're thinking about using guns to start a civil war then that's not really a gun problem. That's a problem that we have against the government. The yeah, I agree. Of the that's government. another conversation, honestly, that we're leading into. That, like, we should not ever get to a point, if we ever get to a point where we need to use guns or any other type of violence to go against the government, like January 6th or whatever, then we have to question the government and the structure of the government rather than how we kind of yeah. react to it. So it's an entire different conversation. And I think you're arguing as if we want to take away guns entirely. Now, can we get a raise of hands, uh, even though it's a podcast, of who wants to take away guns entirely? Okay, so why are we arguing about as in no one having guns in the country? No, it's about the use of guns. Because I feel like we have a difference on use of guns. Yeah, it is important. I mean, I guess you are saying that the only reason to have guns is for self-defense and you should not have them for well, to no, defend I'm, against a tyrannical government. I'm saying, look, th- that's a very, you're talking about literally a very extreme situation and none of us are arguing for the complete removal of guns. And you're also like talking as if you're going to mandate guns to everyone because it's a responsibility to defend against the government, right? But we don't really do that. And we're not a united militia. Like the population of the United States is not a united militia just banded together under the belief that we're going to fight the government. That's just not how I mean, the country that's works. How that's a, that's it's a, a very I'm diverse that's a population. Very, very small population because most of us don't have the courage or the actual will to take a gun and go somewhere with it with with the intention of using it. That's well, a very yeah. morally you have to think, big thing. I think y'all. All right, nothing good lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to. 
thinking from all the historical examples, I have some other modern day examples, but I won't get into those. Do um, you think it's going to happen again? Like it's bound to happen that there's going to be a tyrannical government. It's inevitable. And even, all right, you want me to read you a quote? Sure. <laughs> sure. A democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until the voters discover that they can vote themselves uh, largest from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that a democracy always collapses over loose physical policy, followed by a dictatorship. The average age of the world's greatest civilizations has been 200 years. The nations have progressed from the sequence from bondage to spiritual faith to courage, to liberty, to abundance. This is the important part, from abundance to selfishness and greed and apathy and independence on the government and then back into bondage as they vote themselves more power to the government. Who, so, who said that? Uh, Alexander Fraser Titler, all the way back in the 18th century. Um, oh, I mean, it happened multiple times since he said that, so I think that's exactly. the point. I think yeah, it is record, unbelievably yeah. naive and dangerous to assume that we are never going to have an issue where we don't need to protect our rights. Like the United States is a miracle. What happened with Hmm. establishing a democracy, guaranteeing equal rights, almost always the vacuum of power is immediately filled with a dictatorship in this situation. Finally, throughout the whole course of human history, it was decided and we had a strong structure that it has been, stood the test of time and we are sitting here with our individual rights and we've been able to promulgate those and give those same opportunities to people around the globe and we cannot just give that up and assume that everything's going to be hunky-dory from now on and just completely trust the government and give us absolutely no recourse against any sort of situation where a power that it has access to these types of firearms and weapons to which there's no recourse against unless you have them yourself like i, I think i true. mean i think i kind of i i, I think we kind of agree that you know it's it might be bound to happen that you know the government takes too much control or too much power but that's that's kind of like a different type of mindset of um Carson, let me ask you a question. What's another way that we could exercise our rights to go against the government other than the right to bear arms? Anything There's... else is irrelevant. What? Yeah. Like, why do you think Donald Trump, if he took over the government, say, had control of the military, why would he give a crap about you standing outside with a sign? I mean... What is the president going to be doing when he does but that? The thing is, but the, the thing is... The president is Donald Trump. For all, not president. He would be a dictator. He would be a dictator. He has elections that happen every four years. Still, look at Putin. Oh, Putin does the exact same thing. You know, there's actually elections for Putin coming up, and it's guaranteed he was going to win the next election. Yeah, yeah. No, no. But the, but the thing is, we're then going to have to question how he got to that power. And well, yeah. I mean, look, that's another topic. I, I want to ask you pose another question. Do you think another world war is going to happen before a tyrannical government pops up in the U.S.? Because I personally feel like there's going to be a massive global catastrophe that occurs before the U.S. gets a, a, like a super populist leader, like what you're saying. Mm, well, like thing, I feel like there's I mean, a bigger issue than anything. I feel like the whole thing where it's inevitable and it's going to happen. I mean, 
we don't know when it's going to happen and we can't base the decisions of today with the problems of today based on the mentality that we're going to have a dictator in 200 years why not we're screwed if we get it wrong well yeah but we're screwed sooner if something else goes wrong That's i don't understand how owning guns changes anything for related to a global conflict I think that the, like, no, I'm saying the mentality that something that is going to happen very soon. I mean, no one's, like I said, no one's arguing about taking Even if it happens in a thousand years, once our guns are taken away, there's not really any going back. We're going to have something bigger than guns in a thousand years. And the government already has, like, nuclear weapons anyway, so it's not like... Yeah, a little bit of people going... All right, this is good. I wanted to get into this. (laughs) Why... Uh, would civilians beat the military? Obviously, we don't have. Oh, no, yeah, that was a good segue. That was a good segue. I like that. Okay. We don't have fighter jets. We don't have nukes. We don't have um, what else? A bunch of uh, like the M16s. So what's, even. What's so. the point of having a small yeah. handgun, huh? So none of y'all. What do y'all think? What's it about gonna do? the situation? There's no way that the civilians could meet, beat the. Oh, wait, are we doing hypotheticals here? Yes. Okay, hypothetical. Let's say dictator Donald Trump. Yes. old Donnie yeah. in the White House for the last 50 years and the people are finally getting fed up with it. <laughs> well, imagine they, he gets like a eternal okay, you know, okay, okay, age okay, okay, preserver or whatever, right? So then how would you organize a militia of the United States with our firearms and assault rifles, assuming we had them, against the government? You can't. You're going to get <laughs> fucked. Oh, okay. Oops. So first of all, the population of <laughs> active military right well. now is 1.4 million versus 330 million is the population. That's 300 times odds outnumbering 300 them. guns. Versus I mean, that's assuming that the military would entirely go with the president, though. Okay, okay. We're just exactly. Saying, it's, uh... exactly. So it gets even more odds because probably about half of the military well, is going to defect. Going, are you going with the I'm, civilians might win this? Yes, obviously. Really? I mean, I mean, That's crazy. somebody has to prove that uh, the counterexample here. I would not expect for that. I uh, I would okay. agree in the fact that other foreign countries, if there was a dictator, would also, hopefully provide support for that. They're not going to yeah, nuke us because who would nuke their own infrastructure? And in, unless there was like one Bro, base, you obviously of... have not seen Russia. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but unless there was one like base of rebel operations, like they're not going to. You haven't seen Israel then, like. Well, that's not their... They're not nuking anybody. <laughs> are they um, not? Are, 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 are they not <laughs> nuking Palestinians? Not nuking. Nobody has used a nuke since on... So well, okay, not, not nuking, but... And, oh, I don't know what um, a nuke is then. <laughs> a nuke... Okay. <laughs> a nuclear weapon. A nuclear weapon. Okay, I meant just as in the metaphor. Okay, you're thinking of just regular bombs, which... Okay, let's say ordinance. They're still pretty destructive, though. So. Yeah. Except nuclear weapons are like hundreds of times thousand or yeah that makes more. sense it makes sense yeah okay but that's <laughs> oh wait, are you um, talking about nuclear weapons now <laughs> wait well, it's a different day um i'll i'll continue with more reasons so the also urban warfare and asymmetric warfare as we've seen with the u.s entering iraq and how long that war took um and also vietnam and ukraine now also yes also ukraine also um Israel invading Gaza right now, that's urban warfare, even though Israel has such a extreme military advantage, it's still I mean that's just someone said extremely... that's like not even uh, that's that's, but that's still, not you can't just invade think about invading a giant city, um especially like you how are you gonna use tanks, how are you gonna use your fighter jets in a city full of skyscrapers? It doesn't have to be skyscrapers, but 
tall buildings where people are have snipers in every window you have no choice but to just go in and face everything close quarters which is very bad news for you if you're outnumbered 300 to 1 because all your technological advancements almost all of them are rendered obsolete uh also we'll probably <clears throat> the insurrection would seize military equipment and also could that could include nukes they're spread out all around the u.s um so depending on how fast they would act they could uh very easily seize military bases right away and then they'd have access to that same equipment um that's the basis of it this is a fun war game scenario but i mean just the odds themselves of um the amount that the civilians outnumber the military so you're saying there's just there's there's power to numbers pretty much and what i mean doesn't it almost doesn't matter at all what type of technology you have available to you if the odds are 300 to 1 now that's assuming it's probably going to be a 50 50 split in the populace too but yeah then you have to consider the urban warfare and counterinsurgency i think we should also assume that the u.s is a failed state at this point so does it really like i mean what's the what's the underlying goal here to take out one person from power and then we have a country split into probably five countries afterwards uh, I mean, we could always unify under well, one thing, but I mean, we, the main point here is it is possible uh, for the civilians to beat the military. Oh, yeah, okay, for it's, sure. it's not even, it's more than possible. So it's probable. Is there, is there examples in history where this has happened, where the government has access to nuclear weapons well, I mean, and the other party has handguns and rifles and, you know, and they've able to, they've been able to defend themselves or take over i would also argue that um i mean depending on the the differences in manpower advantage with the u.s but smaller countries have had their um land occupied and the people still have not been able to successfully resist i mean there have been successful resistance movements but that is i mean if you think about it it's i think it's more um it's different now but especially if you look at countries in like world war ii for instance those resistance efforts were not like I mean, France under Germany, that um, wasn't really. I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't call that well. asymmetric warfare, though. It's uh, and the odds, the population on each side was pretty even. Um, so those are like two professional armies going. No, at I mean like occupied, occupied France and insurgency rooted in a bunch of major cities and all throughout the U.S. being. Um, uprooted i mean it would no definitely that, that's be, uh, what it was in france though and they still didn't manage to get their freedom well yeah it would definitely be a very long drawn out conflict like Wait, these insurgencies there, are like, going back to what i said is there an example because i'm generally interested because we can see success in past events is there a an example of where civilians with handguns have managed to successfully destroy a government i well, can't uh, think of any um so, so i'll give you that there is not any example of a giant country overthrowing their government. Um, well, but I we mean, can, we, we can might also, see that in Russia or China soon. But, but the thing is, we can uh, also... We'll it see doesn't if that have happens. To be, yeah. Maybe not Russia, but Carson, the China, thing, the thing that we're discussing right now, it's not really like a country going against its people. It's about a big nuclear government going against Do a you group think of that people. They would, like, nuke all of... Uh, the east coast if they wanted to 
root out an insurgency. If someone, I mean, if Donald Trump became unstable <laughs> and he wanted to do that because there's a majority well, party in there who wanted them, you, so. you, you well, never know. You can't trust the dictator. You, do you think you think Hitler wouldn't have done that? Hitler would, if he had a nuclear, whatever, like an atomic bomb by his side, you don't think he would go to Poland and, and nuke that entire country? He probably would. You can't trust these dictators. You can't really predict what they're going to do because they could do the most insane thing. And they're a dictator. They're they they they're most likely going to do that because they don't have the, that correct mindset of being a. I would say yeah, morality can't really be a consideration for really... someone that's overthrown the U.S. government. But I do also think this has kind of gone over time. So. Yeah. So we just talked about the defense against tyrannical government. I feel like we went into great depths with that. But now we're going to turn over into a slightly different topic about gun control, uh, in which I feel like it's a bit more relatable. We're going to talk about self-defense. What's the definition of self-defense and individual rights? We're going to go into a little bit more depth into that. Mass shootings with examples and um, why the United States is almost terrible with this <laughs> with this topic. Um and then we're going to go into how we can fix those problems with gun control measures. Um, but first things first, we should go into self-defense. Do you guys have any definitions about what self-defense is? It's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's an, an a debate about the definition. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess if... Like, it's not, we can start by, with the extremes, it's not self-defense to go murder someone. Mm -hmm. If someone, Attacking, it runs yeah. onto your lawn and starts peeing on your lawn, <laughs> yeah, you, it's not really self-defense. Yeah. So how about, like, Or how about, how about uh, the breaking. use of violence in order to defend yourself or your property against clear and eminent danger? Danger, yeah, that's a good word. Because, I mean, uh, how where did you pull that out from? <laughs> oh, okay. A uh, bit of, um, I was in a, a government class last semester, and we talked, about, it was mo mostly about policing. So basically how the police view it is there's different uh, distinct categories, and police aren't, o aren't authorized to use force unless there is clear and present danger, like very obvious, right? And then if there's anything less than that, then like suspicious stain, you know, suspicion of danger, something mm -hmm. like that, they're not authorized to use so, force. So that's some kind of a guideline that we should use for Well, ourselves. yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's a legal precedent. It's like mm -hmm. you have to have clear danger that you can justify, yeah, especially in a legal setting. So that is how it's done. All right. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't think there's much debate about the no, legal there's not, definition right now. There's, so. a, there's debate on what constitutes clear impression danger, right? Mm. So the yeah, question is, like, is yeah. it a... Um, one thing we had to talk about here is uh, the... Uh, what's it called? Like the appropriate response if someone... Um, you know, if, if a gun is too much of a like too harsh of a response against someone mm. with brandishing a knife or something like that because yeah, there's actually, always there's a lot of appropriate gray, responses yeah. uh, i feel like that's appropriate if someone pulls a knife on me if i have a gun on myself no sure I... it's an example but oh, you, yeah. you know what i mean it's oh, like a better example the... a better example is like an unarmed burglar maybe yeah unarmed burglar um yeah, but it, it really do they have to kill look, the person? Yeah, it depends well, on the personally um, no, but like I I I don't think maybe I would do that. But regardless of our personal I opinions like and how we feel that you know this can play out in a certain situation, we have to think about <laughs> it in legal terms as a framework, as in like how do you give one person the right to do this in a one specific case, and that becomes a precedent of how you can apply that to several 
subsequent cases. So this has to be like a very, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, right? A very like over encompassing yeah. argument. One one thing is if we're going into the the argument about what constitutes your right to defend yourself, as in defending yourself with a gun and killing another person or potentially mm-hmm. killing the person, is that at, the thing we tend to do is after the scenario, um, we look at a bird's eye view of the situation and we understand it in a different light than the person who's actually getting attacked. Right. Uh, I have personal experience with this. I got broken into <laughs> last year. Okay. Would you have shot that person? Well, that, 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 that goes into, I don't think I'd have the courage to shoot him, but that, that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. If I had a gun on me, the, the thing is, I, whenever that guy came into the living room and it came into our room, I, I was in shock. I didn't know what to think. Mm. Me and my, me and my cousin, you know, we put our hands up. You got the, you got the wrong, he was on cocaine or whatever. He was, right. you know, he was highly intoxicated, but we didn't know if he had a knife. I didn't even, I didn't really think about it. It was like, he right. could have had a knife. He could have a gun. Um, mm-hmm. And I just put, I put my hands up. I didn't think about using a weapon because I'm I'm not fighting. Or I'm flighting. I'm flighting as in <laughs> right, right, right. I'm I'm defending myself. Yeah, right. As well, in I'm, I'm not myself. really. You're, it's it's you're a flight response. Yeah, you're right away. I think that's the opposite of defending. But okay. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if I did have a gun and I was a different person in that, you know, like an, an adult who I, I have a wife and kids who you know like I, I kill for them or something like that right, right, right. then in that scenario even if he didn't have a gun if he could potentially have a knife or a gun mm-hmm. i'm not thinking about that i'm thinking he he must have a knife or a gun and i'm going to protect my wife and kids and therefore i'm going to shoot him because he's providing a danger to me and more importantly my wife and my kids yeah yeah i mean, yeah, I mean everybody probably go wrong all the time you have yeah. no idea what type of weapon they're holding i think yeah. as soon as somebody enters your home uninvited um and it's clear that (laughs) they are not meant to be there um then yeah they forfeited their right yeah i think that's what it plays into you so uh because because you aren't you shouldn't be obligated to wait and see what his intentions are for you because by then it could be too late it would be too late yeah that this kind of uh, lesson is kind of scenario to the the Tom Hanks movie with the flight with the with the the, with the plane does that make sense? Because in in the actual scenario, he's not he doesn't have a clear head, and then he has I don't know the, if I know the movie. But... The simulation. You guys have never watched that movie. Never Wait. mind. I'm stretching too much. The Tom Hanks movie. It's real. The the plane that went on the New York River. It's fine. Never mind. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's yeah, Sully, right? right? It's called Sully. Yeah. Sully. No, basically, what he's talking about was there was a period. Um, they were judging it as if he had an immediate response, but in real life, people have a very delayed response because they're in shock. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I feel like this is kind of a tangential argument. Um, so bringing it back to well, like, I mean, no, actually, I think it's like a separate. I think that I can see where argument. where he's coming from is if you have a gun and something happens, you're in shock. You have to assume that you're not thinking clearly when something is happening. So it really depends on if someone doesn't have their full concentration whenever they have a weapon and you're not if you're a person that's not able to use it should you still have the do we i know that's that just gun? that's just an argument about um like the definition of self-defense I yeah exactly. bringing it back to gun control the question is should is that a valid reason to own a gun are there other ways like some people say only the police should have guns they're the ones that have been trained to use them that we've trusted to protect us so how come why don't you just call the police 
Actually, no. let's. I feel like we should talk about a good topic. Let's talk about tyrannical governments. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I was getting scared there. Flashbacks. <laughs> um, okay, so I, are we all in agreement that? No, um, I think. We let's should... make the best argument for not uh, using the gun to defend yourself. Yeah, I'm saying. Well, like, what else could you use? Like uh, tranquilizers. The police. Uh, well, the police, no, no. Are we glossing over this argument? We need to take this. Spray, <laughs> any sort of melee. Um, well okay make the case so. i feel like if he had a melee weapon it's more violent as yourself as a user you're more no, likely no, melee, to get injured i think we should take a melee out of it like if no i think if you don't have, have a statistic for that i have a statistic okay let's oh okay while bro, you're doing that look, let's look. go through this one by one so calling the police obviously if you that's that take at least it takes some time so some time to yeah. get there so yeah you're not going to be able mm-hmm. that's just that's surrendering yourself part, to yeah. the person okay uh point. non-lethal methods i feel like that's also kind of a non-starter if Probably somebody has yeah. <clears throat> your like attacker a has a gun you don't think it's effective i mean it could work in some cases but not as effective person, right? as Who a gun they have i think it's not from a distance i mean you yeah. should be able to use equal force at least to whatever mm-hmm. they have so uh, yeah at least Probably. equal force that makes sense so so yeah. would you what about like I mean, what other options do we have? Instead of I think a kitchen, kitchen knife could be very effective, but only if the person Has does, doesn't have a weapon. Well, yeah, but you're also considering the fact that, I mean, someone's probably, well, definitely more likely to shoot someone than actually go and have a knife fight with them. If you take guns, I think we should establish that if you don't have a gun in the equation, then self-defense means that either you would use non-lethal like tasers or just not anything at all but i think that if we're going to talk about lethal force as a form of self-defense that we should talk about guns specifically because that's what we're yeah. okay okay but- so basically we've established i mean i don't think you can make an argument that you can defend yourself without a gun especially against a attackers who have I, a gun. I would if there's I an would, attacker that has a gun i would feel more safe if someone attacked me and had a gun yeah, yeah pretty much the entire okay story. so does that mean so? There's no way we could ever ban all guns. No, what I'm that's what I'm it's, trying to say is that can um, you use like tranquilizers? That's a, that's a big stretch. Anything like that instead of guns is that possible? I mean, a taser, but everything Not else a taser. is taser. Tranquilizer is like you shoot it from <laughs> well, a distance. I, don't I mean, what kind of tranquilizer? Or like a shock thing or whatever. Like yeah, something thing. like that. Can you do that? That's what I'm asking. That's, that's, that's a way. Possible. It might not be as effective. It's a way yeah. though. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, these I think... all have their specifics, but like, are we assuming that the person has a gun? Because if they have a gun and you shoot them with a tranquilizer, it takes like I'm sure at least thirty it takes... seconds for oh, it to kick in. Yeah, so they just shoot you. Yeah, so not, I mean, or maybe the shock thing, like you were saying. So do well, we have like, options? That's what what shock thing? A, a taser? taser. No, uh, no, not the one like rubber bullets. They don't. Okay, but yeah, these are things for like riot control. If we were going to talk about specific something someone can have let's just say a close range taser that you have to be you know but if someone has a gun and you bring out something like that let's say you bring out anything against an intruder if anything short of a gun it's more dangerous for you as someone yeah i think that's what the problem is that's what yeah it, it, especially that also applies if you have a gun and you don't want what to if use the it. people don't yeah, have guns thing. what if all guns are banned and they your attackers just don't have any access to guns assuming a perfect world where then you then it's the next most dangerous weapon what's the next knife. most then, yeah. so knife or a, taser a knife thing. but so the um, attacker has a knife you have a knife you have a knife it's worse for both fight. parties at this Fair point ground. might as well just rely on police if there's guns banned completely <laughs> in a perfect world what if that they come sense. at you with a knife you can't still can't rely on police you have to use the if, knife. i thought this was a perfect world i mean well like, i meant in terms of like 
Um, no nobody has a gun. No guns. Yeah. yeah, in that perfect world, the, the next best, I mean... Okay, well, when I say, I should clarify, when I say perfect world, I meant reliable police services, which we don't really have right now, so. I meant, well, in that, that would be that an impossible of, world, like, where they teleport to you. I yeah, meant that's a not perfect what I'm saying. world that's not what I'm saying. where, like, I, okay. assuming we had 100% efficient, because people do make the argument that we should ban all guns, mm-hmm. so in that case, they're saying that people don't have the right to defend themselves, which, I don't know that they ever they actually argument argue that. I think it's more the argument that um then nobody would have guns so it's okay that you don't have one so Uh, yeah that's i think that's what i think the counter for that everybody says is that criminals will just get it no matter what but yeah so normal yeah i think we can talk about that a little later if if that's a valid argument yeah okay i think uh the whole hypothetical is a little untenable but i'm just saying like if you were had a world where you don't where you ban guns completely i feel like the um the biggest response would probably be to not directly engage a criminal. Like, oh, just run away. <laughs> well, I'm just. Saying I mean, like, actually, yeah. Would, in like, terms unless, of engaging someone stronger than you with a knife. Then yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Unless there, you had like children involved. Obviously, that you you know that you were in a separate room for them and, and stuff like that. So but you really you, can't. I mean, sorry uh, to cut you off. You really can't defend yourself without a gun well, even that's what we're knife. saying like because a, except for home, imagine a know. single mother home with her children if a big strong buff mm-hmm. guy comes at her with a knife i mean no, me, it becomes yeah. much easier that to, makes sense there's you almost have no chance but if you have a gun guns are the great equalizer i mean all you do is pull a trigger there's a movie about that the equalizer sorry <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> that would be my point okay so i do we feel like we've covered that well i mean we've uh yeah i mean we've established established that people should have the right to self-defense with guns basically um we've established that some other way doesn't work how about we establish the other alternative where relying on police how do we feel like that do we think that the Um, government or the police officers i mean i obviously feel safe around a police officer but I, whenever I'm in, if I'm in that situation, you can't rely on the police because you, you don't know. I and mean, if you live in it's a rural an, area, it could take 10 minutes. It's, it's, it's Not out of even your control. That, actually. It's, it's, um, it's out of your control and people who don't have things in control, they, they tend to worry more. How about uh, economically disadvantaged areas and densely populated urban areas? Actually, they oh, have very, very slow police times. They have the majority of crime rates in those areas. So in reality, yeah, if we were uh, to take all guns away, Wait, they have the they have the slowest response times, but they have the highest crime. I'm not sure about the slowest and like compared that to rule. Makes sense. That's like kind of. But um, no. Well, if you think about uh, like certain disadvantaged areas, mm-hmm. I mean, say in a city like New York, for instance, like downtown. Yeah, um, the police services are very under. Uh, well, I mean, understaffed? you can make this is another yeah, yeah understaffed, under, under very understaffed. This is a, a polarizing argument, but you could also argue underfunded. Uh-huh. So it causes police services to be lower. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, if you have um, a widely, you know, spread thin police police case, it takes them. And um, we researched this a lot, like uh, last semester, which is they. If you take, have you have a a situation where it takes a long time to get there, and it's in the most, it's in a disadvantaged community, then it's um, taking away guns would potentially be more harmful to a certain population than others. If that makes okay, sense. so yeah, I'm but glad just, you reminded me. Yeah. Going off of uh, the disparity in police response, a couple of years ago, you might remember there were 
uh, nationwide riots because people and people started calling for us to defend defund the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's widespread there's been widespread mistrust in the, our police force ever since. So some of those same people that claim that might like to say, why don't you just call the police? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you don't trust the police, then why are you putting the tr- <laughs> your own it's, life in their hands? It's, yeah, it's kind of ironic how the same people who argue that also argue for not being able, well, not having guns. Or- yeah. Well, that's it for part one of our gun control series. In part two, released next week, we'll weigh the benefits of various gun control measures and discuss the epidemic of mass shootings in America. Remember to subscribe and follow our podcast so that you don't miss it. If you're on YouTube, you're welcome to continue the conversation in the comments section and let us know what we missed. Thanks for watching.